to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm running the show solo, giving Dale a day off so that we can talk about some things right here on the show. First topic. It's an obvious one. One, because social media exploded Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning about potentially Cam Sutton being traded. Now, this all started... For those of you who aren't social mediaites that are that you have lives, unlike me, who I have to see what happens on Instagram with a player that may mean absolutely nothing. But this happened. Late on Tuesday night, Cameron Sutton's uh, Instagram, Cam Sutton20, he posted a picture that was just an all-black screen with a uh, with an emoji that just had the peace sign. And uh, and it, so he had, he does that and then he follows it with another all-black screen that he posts on Instagram that just says, stay tuned. And then after that, he posts another all-black screen that says, yes, sir. And then like the okay sign on his on his Instagram. Well, those three pictures sent everyone into a frenzy. Now, if you're wondering what the heck's going on there. So for those who don't know lingo, I mean, it's this is from the 60s, but I mean, Jesus, people... It, the, the peace sign obviously means deuces. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. See y'all later. So everyone thinks that means that he's headed out of Pittsburgh, that he knows that he's about to be traded. And so it was chaos. It was a madhouse. It was, it was you know, the house is on fire. And so Steelers social media was like, does anyone have answers? Does anybody know? Who? What could happen? I mean, there's, there's now reports that Steelers fans and Steelers bloggers were trying to contact Cam Sutton's girlfriend or wife or whoever he's with romantically to get answers and she like snapped off at them like you guys need help and you do if you're one of those people um i saw this and i just simply went to dale i was like hey let's just keep an eye on this maybe something happens most likely something doesn't and we both agreed this could be nothing cam sutton's a very uh intelligent man uh and he's a very i think he does a lot of things on his own this could have been about a million different things and it didn't have to be about the Steelers. And just teamwork, team-wise, management-wise, this makes no sense. You know, I did a whole thing. It's it's And it's funny. It's hilarious that this happened like two hours after I recorded my Don't Get Me Started segment that, talk, that told y'all to stop talking about trades. But then this happens, and then here we go. We're back into it. But Cameron Sutton... Is a is an important role player on this defense, and this defense is on a very good tear of performances, and the team is undefeated. When in your time of watching the Pittsburgh Steelers under Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin, have you known them to rock the boat when they're on a serious tear? The only time you see them make big moves are in the off season when they see something there, like Devin Bush. Or, at the beginning of last season, like when Ben was down and they saw an opportunity to get an all-pro caliber safety on the team. But that's it. This is not their MO, to just trade all the time. I go back to, you know, the guy that I I got, the time I told you about, I got into with someone on social media because the Steelers didn't go get all the players on defense that that the Cowboys got that used to be big names. And, you know, you can see what happened. The, the, that defense has fallen apart. Um, and the Steelers defense is, you know, one of the best in the NFL. I look at the 
the construct of the Steelers, and it just makes no sense to get rid of Cam Sutton. Even though Mike Hilton's coming back this week and he looks healthy, why in the world would it make sense for the Steelers to get rid of Cam Sutton? Because if Hilton goes down, Sutton has to be that guy. And if Sutton isn't that guy, then all of a sudden they're back to worrying about the cornerback position. Now in this last game, without, without Hilton, they made it work. Nelson bumped inside to help with Sutton on the inside. They put Justin Lane outside, and he didn't do poorly. You never saw Ryan Tannehill try to pick on him. And that was a good thing. But now, Mike Hilton's healthy. You can keep Camp Sutton in the middle with him. And you're going to need both of those guys more now that Devin Bush is gone because both of those guys, they have the lateral speed. They can move sideline to sideline. And that's going to be even more important with Lamar Jackson up against the Steelers. Now, the trade deadline's next week, so technically they could make the trade next week and it could possibly be a thing. I just don't see it happening. The Steelers would not be buyers of something that would take away from the chemistry that they have going right now. And there's absolutely no way that they'd be sellers right now. And if you look into the the sellers market, the teams that are trying to load up, they, they wouldn't be trading for a Cam Sutton. The only teams that would be tra- trading for Cam Sutton would be other buyers. And they'd be trading draft picks. And the Steelers don't need draft picks right now. They need pieces to to help solidify their depth. And they've got them. If nothing else, the, the Steelers are going to solidify their roster with some depth guys if they make other moves this season. But solidifying it, again, like I've said for a couple weeks now, low-level le- low draft picks, low-level trading, if, if, if it even happens, or signing undrafted free agents or promoting guys from the practice squad. Nothing major is coming. Don't expect it. Don't freak out to it. I understand it's natural. It's what we all th- start to do. But there's no reason to, reason to do that right now. We're going to take a quick break here. Now we've got that update out of the way. When we come back, we've got to talk about something that uh, Dale wrote on the website that I thought was really cool. We'll get to that after this. podcast i'm your host chris carter running solo today like i said dale's getting the day off so let's get to something that dale wrote since we can't have him on the show we're going to talk about something that he wrote and it was a really cool story on his part getting showing the initiative and he went to talk to tony dungy now y'all remember tony dungy he coached the buccaneers in the early 2000s then he switched to the colts the colts became super bowl champions of super bowl 42 or was it 42 no, Super Bowl, yeah, Super Bowl 42, because the Steelers won 43. Yeah, I'm, I, I know my math. Shut up. Oh, wait, no, it was Super Bowl 41. I mix it up, all the things. Yeah, it was Super Bowl 41. I'm sorry. I am very sorry. It was Super Bowl 41 that they won, because it was right after the Steelers uh, won Super Bowl 40. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting that right now. Okay, back to my original point. Tony Dungy, legendary coach, one of the best coaches of the modern era of football, 
developed the Tampa 2, which he admitted was, you know, more so what they did with the Steelers back in the 70s. But, you know, he birthed the defense that became that Buccaneers defense with Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooke, Mark, Mark Lynch, Rondé Barber, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then he went on to coach Peyton Manning and get that team their, their Super Bowl win um, and, uh, you know, produce some legendary games while he was there. But what many people forget is that Tony Dungy has a strong connection with Mike Tomlin. And that's that Mike Tomlin worked under Tony Dungy way back when. He was, he was that secondary coach of the team that won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers um, after Dungy left. And the two have always maintained a strong relationship. We've known that over the years. Dungy and Tomlin have been seen talking several points. Um, and uh, um, and we've, we've seen that relationship develop. Now, what Dale wrote about was the fact that Mike Tomlin just caught up with Tony Dungy's total win, the amount of wins as a head coach. And holy crap, I didn't think that that would even happen for some time. Because when you think about it, he has been around the game for a long time. And Tony Dungy, it, even though it feels like Tony Dungy was also in the game forever, Mike Tomlin, he's been a coach of the Steelers since 2007. 2007. That's 13 years 14 with this season, I think. But that's a lot of time. And now, and he's made, he's been consistent all through that time. He's never had a losing season, which means each year he's at least gotten eight wins. Some of the years he's gotten 12, 11, 13. And that adds up over time. And I suggest you go read Dale's story. Tomlin catches mentor Tony Dungy because he is a mentor of Mike Tomlin. And the story talks about how Tony Dungy, you know, said that uh, he tried to promote Tomlin early on. He said he wanted to make him a defensive coordinator, and his his staff would would not wouldn't let him, or the general manager's office wouldn't let him. And uh, he praises Mike Tomlin for all the different things that he does and for all the the ways that he succeeded. And I think it's extremely cool, not just for these two as people, but for the Steelers. Because don't forget, Tony Dungy came into the league as a Steeler. He was a collegiate quarterback that converted to be a, a, a defensive back. He got two Super Bowl rings in the 70s with the Steelers. When he retired from being a player, he became a coach. He got a start under Chuck Knoll. Then he went out, developed around the league, became a head coach. Technically, Tony Dungy's from the Chuck Knoll coaching tree. And then Mike Tomlin... Is from the Tony Dungy coaching tree. So if those two things align, technically that kind of means that Mike Tomlin has been grandfathered into the the Steelers system or grandson, I guess. I don't, I don't know what's the what the actual term is there. I don't know, but you get my point here. Chuck Knoll was a big reason for Tony Dungy's start. Tony Dungy was a big reason for Mike Tomlin's start. And it's the circle of life, y'all. And to me, I think that shows the continuity of what the Steelers do as an organization. They know what they're they know what they're looking for. They know what they're getting, and they trust their coaches to lead their organizations. Chuck Noll did that from '69 to what '92, '91. Cowher took over. He had a good he had a good run. He got a Super Bowl win. Tomlin took over. He's got a Super Bowl win, and now he's 
you know, he's completely rebuilt the team to do what he wants it to do, and we'll see where, where that takes them. But Tony Dungy catching him, it's it's such an honor. And now Mike Tomlin with one more win will be the that will be the winningest minority head coach in the history of the NFL. How about that? Another flag to put among all the Steelers' accomplishments in the history of the organization. Not just accomplishments for just being good, but also in being a progressive, racial thinking forward organization. Because don't forget, and I've said this several times, and I'll bring this up every year until I die or stop covering sports, but the Steelers were one of the first were the first team to employ an assistant African American head uh, assistant African American coach. They were the first team to name a black quarterback to be the starter for the team season coming out of training camp, and they were the first team to give Tony Dungy his start, and he became the first black black head coach to win the Super Bowl. They came up with the Rooney Rule. They brought in Bill Nunn, who led the movement to bring in HBCU, historically black college university players. And of course, you've got the Rooney Rule, which forced teams to at least consider, at least interview a minority head coach in their their process of hiring new coaches. And now they've got Mike Tomlin, who was the second black head coach to ever win the Super Bowl. And with one more win he will become the winningest black head coach to ever coach in the NFL. That's insane. It's, it's also very impressive. So, big shout out to the Steelers there. Great story by Dale. Go check it out on the website. We got we got one more break here we got to do. When we come back, it's don't get me started. And y'all know me. I like to dip back into things that have happened before. I like to look upon funny comments that uh, that we've heard over the years. And two years ago, there was a take that, that, that I heard that's made me think lately with the Steelers' success about how relevant it is to now. What was that? Find out after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started! Don't get me started about Sean Serrett and the Steelers offensive line. This is Don't Get Me Started, the rant segment of the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm Chris Carter. As always, I use this to sort of talk about something and to go in on something that I think is either funny or hilarious or stupid or just something that just pissed me off. But I remember two years ago. Before we go there, let's talk about the now. The now is the Steelers offensive line is playing extremely well. Sean Starrett, who's who's the Steelers offensive line coach, has done a remarkable job. Over the years, the team lost Marcus Gilbert to injury. Uh, remote Foster's had to retire. They've had they've they've they haven't been able to hold on to guys who've been playing that sixth lineman spot at the offensive tackle position. Chris Hubbard, Kelvin Beecham, guys that have just gone to make big money elsewhere because teams see the success they have with the Steelers and they think, oh, we could pay them big money, and and then the Steelers go and make that other spot someone else. Uh, 
And last year, that was Zach Banner. And it worked. And the Steelers' offensive line is playing well this year. The, rush, the rushing offense is performing well. Ben Roethlisberger is being protected a lot. And they've got a lot of new young pieces on the offensive line. Chikumo Korfor has become the tackle that they drafted him to be so far and is playing well at right tackle. It seems like Zach Banner as was, was a good addition to the roster and that when he gets healthy again, maybe he'll be someone that the Steelers can count on um, at the tackle position. Villanueva, still, still, a, still a good tackle for the team. Matt Filer, moved from right tackle to left guard, is performing well. Pouncey and DeCastro are still the anchors of the offensive line. But on top of all of that, they have depth. They went and got Wisniewski, who looked good when he was in there. But then they got a rookie, Kevin Dotson, who filled in like he was an all-time starter. Playing extremely well at the right guard position. Filling in for David DeCastro to the point where fans, when David DeCastro came back, were like, well, wait a minute, what about Dotson? He's been playing well. And I think a lot of that has to do with coaching and getting the job done. And the offensive line still being able to handle itself all this time. Even Gerald Hawkins... And you might think, who's Gerald Hawkins? But Gerald Hawkins was the team's fourth-round draft pick, I believe, in the 2016 NFL Draft. I believe it was the 2016. He was out of LSU. He was always hurt, didn't work out, and then eventually he got let go and then picked up by the Buccaneers and then sent to their practice squad. Well, the Steelers picked him up back off the Buccaneers practice squad this year, placed him on the roster. He earned, a he earned time with the team, and now he's that sixth offensive lineman, the, the offensive tackle that they put in for running downs or for whenever they want to max protect. And he's done well. He's looked good. He's had some serious blocks in the red zone that I thought were really solid. He threw a really good seal block that dominated the Titans on the edge uh, for Benny Snell's touchdown run. I think it was against the Browns. He had a really good block that gave James Conner a good touchdown run. He's looked good. And all the problems that we thought that you know he would never be good or never be someone that the Steelers could rely upon, now he seems like a comparable lineman. And this unit looks together. So you're like, well, wait a minute, Chris. What's the, where's the rant? What's the problem? It's because two years ago when Mike Munchak, the Steelers offensive line coach, who is a Hall of Fame lineman and, you know, and deserves all the accolades that he's ever deserved, and he was a great line coach for this team. But when he left, all I heard was that, oh, now you'll see how bad of a coach Tomlin is because that offensive line is going to fall apart to shreds. And Mike Munchak's only leaving because he sees the team is about to fall apart. He doesn't want to get caught up in the trap or the burning down house. Now, logical people said it was because he had family out in Denver and he wanted to move closer to them and, he and it was just a new part of his life and it didn't work with him being here. That made more sense. But getting, wanting to get away from the Steelers, the Steelers that still had Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers that still had several key offensive linemen that he could work with? No. But, you know, they, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs last year because of Ben Roethlisberger, and people got to continue this narrative. And the offensive line didn't perform well, and a lot of people were thinking, like, oh, see, see, Mike Munchak, it, it's, it's, it's because he's not there. The Steelers needed him to be the guy. I mean, I even heard some nonsense on the radio that maybe Mike Munchak should be the Steelers' head coach. Well, that didn't work too well when he was the Titans' head coach because, you know, they fired him. But last year I said you can't really judge the offensive line or really anyone in the offense when you're playing with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Neither of them were good starting NFL quarterbacks. 
And people's like, no, Chris, you're just making excuses for these guys. They can still block. They can still da 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 da. Shut up. They, 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 any, if you know anything about football, when there's a big liability, the size of the liability that was at the quarterback position, it's going to cause problems. It's going to make other people's jobs harder. And it did. It just did. And if you couldn't see that then, I hope you see it now. Because honestly, if you couldn't see it then, you're just not a football person. You're a person who looks at box scores, watches the games, and cheers. And it's funny because I know some people in the industry that are that way. But I'm giving you guys the liberty of right here on the DK Steelers podcast to know this is part of what Dale and I talk about all the time. We look at we look at you know the merit of things and then the bad side of things and then we weigh weigh what they are. And when we look at honestly, okay, why is this happening? Why is this player performing well? Why is this player performing poorly? Are they actually performing poorly? Or is that just a narrative that someone's shoving down your throat because they have an agenda to prove? And it seems like over time, maybe, just maybe, Mike Munchak, you could still say he's a great line coach, but maybe Mike Munchak isn't like solely responsible for the Steelers' offensive line success. Maybe it was a team thing. And him being here helped the team. But it's obvious that Sean Serrett got to learn under him. And now he's able to keep up the same environment. And it helps having two guys carry the torch like Pouncey and DeCastro and Villanueva. And then you got people like Matt Filer, who's a good role player at the guard position. Got Chakuma Korofor stepping in. And now you got Dotson learning under all those guys. And the offensive line looks good. But all I heard was that it wouldn't look good. They would stink for the for the until you know for the rest of time, and they were going to fall apart. And DeCastro and Pouncey were going to be gone. And this team, this offensive line, could have fallen apart. When DeCastro went down early this season, it could have been the death knell because Pouncey, as great as he is in his career, he is he's no longer in his prime. When he was in his prime, it was like the middle of the two thousand the twenty tens. I mean, it was the middle of the twenty tens when he was blocking everything in sight, when he was pulling and being mobile and he was, you know, he was doing all that. Now he's still very, very good, but he's not the elite center that he used to be, but he's still better than most centers in the league. But with David DeCastro going down, who is in his prime, that, that to me was like, uh oh, this, this ain't going to be easy to overcome. But the Steelers made it not matter. They're undefeated. And they, they went through two backups to replace David DeCastro. But they got it done. And they got it done in a strong, emphatic fashion. How many times have this year, at least two or three times, we've seen now the offensive line come out and pummel a team in the fourth quarter? And when I say pummel, I mean physical. Not just catch them lucky on a draw. Not, oh, we ran to the outside and they just didn't happen to be there. No, punch them in the mouth. Those are the things that we saw this year play out. And I just don't understand why people have a hard time giving credit to that, you know? It just seems kind of backwards. So when you think about the offensive line, you see them succeeding. Remember, that's Sean Serrett's offensive line. That's something the Steelers put together because they they saw that they could. And they've kept it together. And they've got new pieces coming in. And there's no doubt in my mind that next year, 
you know, they may be missing a Villanueva. They may be missing somebody else. But I think they're going to keep it going. As long as they don't gut the entire team, which would seem silly. But the Steelers, right now, they're, they're, they're running at a very good clip. They're getting 129.7 rushing yards per game. That's 11th in the NFL. That's pretty doggone good. And that's without a big-name running back. Some of those teams that, that are ahead of them, the Baltimore Ravens, they got Lamar Jackson. And I'm not saying he's a running back. Oh, <laughs> that was actually a joke. Uh, that was actually a joke in the making. But, 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 but Lamar Jackson, what, whatever you want to call him, he's a runner. Cardinals, Kenyon Drake. Browns, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Patriots, no running back, but Cam Newton's been running there, so that makes that that, that makes sense. Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook. Niners, well, Niners are one of those teams that with an assortment of backs that's just a weird situation, but that's what they do. They take the pressure off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Packers, Aaron, Aaron Jones. And the Steelers with James Conner. They're doing their, and it's it's not just James Conner. It's the offensive line. And if you thought that they were that they were going to stink two years ago, you were wrong. And if you thought that Mike Munchak was leaving for greener pastures, well, you were definitely wrong because he's with the Broncos. They got whooped up on by the Steelers this year, and they're not doing too hot this, this year as well. Meanwhile, the Steelers are six and zero, getting ready to face the Baltimore Ravens to claim a two game lead if they can win. On the AFC North. But y'all got me started. And this is but don't get me started here on the on the DK Steelers podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the DK Steelers podcast as well as all of our podcasts on this platform. Be sure to check out all the shows we've got. We got DK's Daily Shot and everything else going on here. Um, subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Also, leave, leave a five-star review with a positive comment on the show on Apple Podcasts. Doing show really helps us out. Get the word about what you're doing here. This is your Thursday edition. That means Friday, Dale's coming back. And we got predictions. We've got all sorts of talk. Getting you ready for the weekend. Have a happy Thursday, y'all.